Hey guys, just want to jump in here real quick. Firstly, thank you guys so much for sticking with us as we do these special bonus episodes during the strike. We promise we will resume our normal episodes as soon as the strike is won. In the meantime, we wanted to give you a heads up for next week. Normally, we stockpile our episodes. We do a, a bunch all at once, and that way if somebody gets sick or has to go out of town, we have episodes for you guys recorded and ready to go. And we do have a bunch of those movie episodes ready to go. We just can't air them right now. Now, with our bonus episodes, we're still in the process of writing, recording, and editing them. And what we'd like to do, just to make sure we have something for you guys every single week, is we want to temporarily scale back to one episode per week, just so that we can get ahead. You're still going to get an episode next week. You're going to get something every week. That is my promise to you. But to make sure that that happens, we're going to scale back for just a little while so that we can build up a nice reserve of episodes, so that way we never miss a week. You're still going to get two episodes this week. I just wanted to let you guys know ahead of time for next week. So starting next week, there will still be an episode every Tuesday, and that'll be it for the week. We hope you guys understand. We really want to give you the best show we can, and we're figuring out ways to do that while still making sure you get something every week. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, enjoy today's episode, and we will see you tomorrow for another one. Enjoy. Here we are at the Exorcist Minute Factory. Over here is where we examine, over here is where we extrapolate, and over here is where we excavate to manufacture all the minutes of your favorite podcast, the Exorcist Wow, what does this button do? No, don't touch that! Uh-oh. And what do you have to say for yourself? Oops. Coming up, what an excellent day for oops. All bonus episodes. Oh my god, they're all over the floor. Everywhere. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> Someone get a <laughs> Too many bonus episodes. There's too many bonus episodes. <laughs> you need the proper balance. How are you going to get your fiber? <laughs> Where's the healthy part of the Where's podcast? The, <laughs> <laughs> the healthy, boring part of the podcast. <laughs> it's all sugar. You're not going to get any sleep tonight. And then you'll be tired in the morning. Yeah. Sitting in that classroom at Georgetown University. You should be listening, Bill Blatty. No. <laughs> Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we normally examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we're still your holy guides on this journey through a plethora, a, a, a cacophony, a, a murder. <laughs> a murderer, and a, you say? And then and, and a parliament, wait, a, parliament, a, a murderer parliament. in the parliament. A, a, a legion, you might say, of bonus episodes for you. And folks, you're in luck. This week, we are beginning our multi-part deep dive into the true story behind our book and movie. This is the actual event which inspired William Peter Blatty to write his novel. We promised we'd get to it eventually, and now here we are. I'm excited, Keenan. Are you excited? Yeah, because we we haven't really been able to find a great spot to to look at this in the proper spot as we're going through movie minutes or even book chapters. So right. it's great that we have to sort of go out of the continuity for this. Yeah, yeah. So this was this was a, a blessing in disguise, you could say, mm-hmm. right? This was um, oh, what's that? Uh, uh, divine providence. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Okay. So now, just a little preface here, folks. A preface. 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 Is it is it preface or preface? 
Preface. Preface. Okay. But of course it's preface. <laughs> okay. But preface, yes. Epitome. Um, <laughs> so while we are examining an actual documented event, the documentation gets a little bit muddy at times. Um, there are multiple accounts and records, including a diary by one of the priests, which we will be relying on. So if you're familiar with this story from one account and you notice that we say something different um, or use a different name or put the events in a slightly different order, that might be because certain texts have uh, swapped things around or even filled in the gaps. Um, it's ironic. Uh, <laughs> you know it's funny. Um, <laughs> as well documented as this case is, there do seem to be some things that we still don't know for sure, like, um, was it the devil? No. (laughs) (laughs) I only partially share my script with Keenan, and it's for moments like that, folks. There we go. So, um, but, but fear not, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to spin you a tale here. Uh, at the Exorcist Minute, and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep things uh, spooky. But uh, yeah, we you can already probably tell that uh, some of us have have our own opinions about <laughs> oh. <laughs> about what actually happened. No, but, but to, yeah, to point this out, like yeah, there's documentaries and there's books and there's like blog posts about uh, about this case. Probably the most famous case of possession, unless there's something I'm not thinking about, right? Mm, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so usually people try to spin like like a very definitive tale of this is what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how you tell nonfiction. But mm-hmm. the the reality of it is that it's it's as as you say muddy, but also um, I think that that it gets more muddy as people try to make a definitive version. Yes, that's yeah. actually a good point, right? Because there's in in gathering. Oh boy, folks, this is. I feel I feel like our detective in our book here because I just I'm, <laughs> I'm lying face down, exhausted on my desk, and I have this collage of uh, uh, of, of papers and newspaper clippings and 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 books and bookmarks and things like that. And boy, oh boy, like trying to piece these things together. It's you know what it's like. It's trying to. It's trying to build a puzzle mm-hmm. out of multiple puzzles that have been all mixed up into one box. Right. And as we'll see, part of uh, the muddiness happens from the very beginning because the very well-meaning people who were trying to document this at the beginning were trying to protect the uh, the um, identities of these real-life people who yes. wouldn't necessarily want everyone you know, crowding their house and say, oh, your son was possessed yeah. by a demon, right? So so we start with layers and layers of aliases that, that mm-hmm. uh, don't mm-hmm. help when you're trying to look at his history. And yeah, part of that is because um, uh, our boy is, uh, is a minor at the time, um, but we also have different accounts of names of relatives and... And, uh, and and even names of places. So we're gonna we're gonna do our absolute best to uh, give you a cohesive narrative. Um, but uh, yeah, just understand what we're working with here. But anyway, you'll see what we mean uh, as we go, and we'll try to call out the inconsistencies as we go as well. But as always, we encourage you to write to us and let us know if you catch anything that we didn't. We love that kind of engagement, so please don't mm-hmm. hesitate. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that said, a lot of you have probably heard this story or a version of this story. I think fans of our movie and book are familiar with parts of it. Um, This, like I said, is the case of the possession and exorcism of Robbie or sometimes Roland or in one retelling, Richard. I've seen Ronald as well. Really? Uh, Mm -hmm. Wait, wait. Robbie, Roger... Richard, ri- I, w- I was trying to do a rhythmic thing. Like you'd say, I'd see Richard. And I was like, really? Right. You see, you see, you see what I was trying it, nah, it's, it's too late, folks. It's too late. Um, you would think, okay, one of those, one of those that we just said is actually his real name. Is it? Yes. Okay. You would think 
you would think that if they were trying to do an alias, they would stay away from our names. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 his real name begins with R, call him John. As we know, is is a derivative of Jacob, <laughs> which I found out the other day. And I was so excited. I was listening to the Apocrypals again, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I messaged Keenan and Ian. And what did I say? And I said, so the name Jacob is the origin of James, Jamie, Jim, Jack, Jacques, Jacqueline, Giacomo, Kobe, Iago, Santiago, <laughs> Diego, San Diego, and Didicus. <laughs> and, then I, and then I texted back after like three more minutes. I said, apparently. Uh, but uh, John is is where Ian comes from, I think, right? So if if John if Ian comes from John and John comes from Jacob, it's all just Jacob. It's all Jacob. Whoops, all Jacob. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> there we go. That's the that's the easiest. Hey, if you want an abridged version of the of the begats in the Bible, <laughs> there you go. It's Jacob. It's all Jacob. Yep. There we go. That's that's another bonus episode podcast. That's hey. <laughs> that's that's the that's the Apocrypals. You're welcome. <laughs> So you hear Robbie Doe or Roland Doe or Richard Doe or something like that. And mm-hmm. Doe, in case you aren't familiar, is it's just sort of a generic name for a made-up last name. So when you have someone who arrives, um, say you find a dead body out in the river and you bring him into the um, the medical examiner's office, or office, they usually give them a Doe last name or something like that. That um, is a last name for their files, but then you know that that's not their real last name. Right. It is also the name of a deer, a female deer. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so so like we said, right, uh, all of these are not, of course, his name, right? His name was kept secret for a very long time and, in fact, was only released to the public recently after his death in 2020. Now, we're going to get to that in the end of this series, along with our opinions about whether or not this was, in fact, a case of demonic possession. It wasn't. <laughs> 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 I like I, I like our writing style. I've decided. I don't know if our listeners do, but <laughs> um, but for now, put away your Ouija boards, grab a crucifix and a comfy blanket, and let's jump in. It all started in January of 1949 in a small suburb of Maryland, not far from Washington, D.C. At first, it was believed to be Mount Rainier. Um, It looks like it was actually Cottage City. Um, Now, here we have a struggling family consisting of 13-year-old... I'm going to call him Robbie. Good, let's pick one, yeah. Yeah, so, well, yeah. (laughs) Because otherwise, every single time, it's going to be Robbie, Ronald, Roland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So it's Robbie. Robbie. That's his most famous name. Yeah. yeah. Um, So consisting of Robbie, his father his mother, his grandmother, and a frequent visitor, an aunt, who in some documentation goes by Harriet and in others goes by Tilly. How many, which which one have you heard more? And I've seen Millie. Uh, oh, oh gosh. We could pick, we could pick one. Uh, go ahead, pick one, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go with Tilly. I like okay, Tilly. Okay, let's go with Tilly. All right, we'll go with Tilly. Um, unless my script says otherwise later and I forgot. <laughs> There's only one aunt, folks. <laughs> right. There's only yeah. one aunt that matters. Oh, God. Aunt or aunt now, too. <laughs> Face, Vaz, Tilly, in, Harriet. In Hawaii, where I'm from, everyone is auntie, so. Okay. There we go. <laughs> auntie Tilly. Okay. Right. Um, who, by all accounts, is the main cause of all the trouble mm-hmm. next to the devil. <laughs> or, or, or next or to Robbie, Robbie. <laughs> depending on your interpretation. <laughs> right. um, so actually reshuffling this, she comes out pretty neutral. So every, right. everybody lay off Aunt Tilly. 
Yes. She did her best, right? Devil's got a devil. Mm -hmm. Robbie's got a Robbie. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, a lot of sources seem to lean on Aunt Tilly uh, as the cause of the the shenanigans that that uh, that follow because of her fascination with the dead and her introducing Robbie to the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Actually, okay. Did we mention on this show before the theory that the evolution of the witch, the the character or the caricature of uh, the strange old lady who lives on the edge of town or deep mm-hmm. in the woods or somewhere, you know, uh, like that, emerged alongside the introduction of the nuclear family? Did we talk about right? That? And the nuclear family who would go live on their own house, right? And then all of a sudden, you don't have a, a communal house that it's like your clan or your tribe where an unmarried sister of your mother's or father's isn't some weirdo, right? They're still part of the family if you have everybody living together. Right, right. And yeah. then, so so yeah, so there's this there's this theory that the emergence of the idea that a family consists of like mom, mm-hmm. dad, kids, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, 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 all you, that's all you need, right? Right. It meant that people were kicking the older generations out of the family home to fend for themselves. So grandma's a financial burden. Grandma's gotta go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now they live alone, and are shunned as also like a societal burden as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but apparently, according to this theory, that's where you get the thing where it's like, oh, hey, you, you see that old house on the hill? That's where old Mother Crockett lives. She eats bugs and talks to chickens. And mm-hmm. if you get too close, she'll put a hex on you, you know? Obviously, this is an oversimplification, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot more factors that go into uh, the shift from venerating, um, you know, uh, the uh, the older uh, folk as like the wise women of the community to, you know, burning them at the stake, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe we'll do a whole deep dive on that, right? right. Um, but for now, Keenan, <laughs> we've already done it. <laughs> we've already we're already getting distracted, right? Anything mm-hmm. anything we're supposed to be talking about, right? We find we find some <laughs> other trap to fall into. Right. But I think it's important here, right, as this, Mm. um, you know, as your people are retelling this story over and over again, right, like, oh, it comes from this aunt and her, 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 you know, her relationship with Robbie is something unseemly. And she's Mm -hmm. the one who introduces him to this Ouija board, which is crazy, even though Mm -hmm. it's made by Parker Brothers. Right. (laughs) And anyone can go and buy one. You don't need the driver's license or anything to buy one. You can open the gates of hell (laughs) before you get married, before you take your your first drink, before Mm -hmm. you take your first spin. Um, you know, in your dad's car, mm-hmm. right? Um, don't do those things together. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't play the Ouija board in the car. That probably no, says that no, somewhere in the instructions. Don't, definitely don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't operate while while uh, nursing. Um, yeah, all that stuff, right? Uh, okay, so so yeah, so, so all that to say, uh, uh, Aunt Aunt T- freaking Tilly Tilly Tilly. Okay, so all that to say, Aunt Tilly is not a witch. Turns out, right? Come to find, right? She is a spiritualist. Uh-huh. Right now, I know we talked a little bit about the spiritualist movement. It was around uh, the 1840s. So even by now, it's like a hundred years old. So so Aunt Tilly being a spiritualist and having a Ouija board is already like some connection to a mysterious bygone age. But she could have conceivably been around as spiritualism was sort of on its way out, right? right. Fact, like I, I did a little bit of math here, and, and and it would not be unbelievable for Aunt Harriet to be walking down a dusty Kansas road and bump into one of those like huckster fraud spiritualist mediums with the culturally <laughs> appropriated turban and the cart mm-hmm. full of like fake mystical crap, right? You know, trying to swindle people out of their money, right? Right. Hmm. Yeah. So so yeah. So Aunt Aunt. 
Tilly, who by all accounts is Robbie's favorite aunt, or maybe only aunt. The only um, one who survives into history, unfortunately. Right? Yes, right? So, uh, she is a spiritualist, and she has this Ouija board. She shows Robbie how to use the board, and they begin using it together. And by all accounts, there is nothing sinister um, uh, about this. This is this is this is what you do when you're bored in the late 1940s. <laughs> That's all there is. You're saying in, in suburban Washington D.C., there's nothing to do. <laughs> there's there's hoop on a stick, <laughs> and there's this. <laughs> there's this. You, you take out this this piece of cardboard and you talk to people who aren't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's really interesting, right? Because later on, as the Ouija board becomes part of the lore, uh, certain stories sort of imply that the family was always kind of creeped out by this. But that doesn't mm. seem to be primary source stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it they, seems like, like everyone was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like if they were creeped out by it, they mm. would have been like, you know, it was like, like, you know, old dad would have taken the pipe out of his mouth and was like, now, listen here, you don't bring that uh, Ouija board into the, the house no more. Right? Right. How could we possibly get rid of this piece of cardboard? <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no board game receptacles anywhere in our town. <laughs> the slots are too large. <laughs> Garbage just, uh, is just overflowing with um with mouse trap pieces. <laughs> mouse trap pieces <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> just just overflowing with all these bonus episodes. Who who put these here? <laughs> put these in. Yeah, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any attempt of like, hey, get that out of there. The parents can say I was really creeped out by it. There's not mm-hmm. one who says like, oh, I said we shouldn't have the Ouija board. Like it doesn't seem like they really thought about the Ouija board very much at all. Right. Until yeah. it became the nexus of this uh this incident in their lives. And so like you'll see documentaries uh you know with reenactments that are all like, ooh, the Ouija board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, on January 15th, 1949, Robbie and his grandmother are home alone. Mom and Dad are out, and Robbie and the grandmother start to hear weird noises. Some accounts say dripping, and others say they hear scratching coming from within the walls. Now, their first thought, uh, anyone's first thought, I think, would be rats, mm-hmm. right? And not like, like, oh, rats, we got demons. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, like actual rats. They think right. there's rats, right? Yeah. Um, so they get an exterminator out there, right? He looks around. He says, there are no rats, right? <laughs> in, for some reason in a German accent, I don't know. Like, no. no, 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 no. He, he, he puts down some poison. Um, but the scratching noises continue even worse than before for 10 more days. And then after that, they stop. Right. I, I, I read one description of this exterminator saying he was a very famous exterminator. <laughs> he was really what? like notable, right? Again, like this is how history gets twisted, right? Like, like nobody cared how famous this, <laughs> how important this exterminator was. In the, <laughs> he's the most famous exterminator, the most reputable exterminator in all of Washington, D.C. Well, I, okay. You're saying that one of these accounts was like, yes. the fact the fact that he couldn't do it. <laughs> right, exactly. Meant that it was the devil. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, like, this is really important. Like we didn't get some, you know, we didn't get our our uh, you know unemployed cousin who could never keep a job to go and, and trick stir with these rats. We got like a, the real deal. Yeah. No, this guy never lost a case. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So he puts down the poison, but the scratching noises continue even worse than before for ten more days. Finally, they stop. So, Keenan, what does your skeptical mind say to that? Yeah, it sounds like the poison got him. (laughs) (laughs) I think it takes a couple days for that to work. (laughs) 
No, but but really, <laughs> really, I, I like. I think this is the type of thing that happens in families all the time, hmm. right? Like, take them at their word. Like, you know, yeah. oh, there's there's a crazy noise in the attic somewhere. There's a crazy noise from the basement. There's a crazy pipe noise in the wall, and then they go away, and the family just moves on. Except yeah. that right after this. Has, you know, really important events in this family's history happened. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're they're bound to be like, oh, it must be related to this thing that happened, right? But how many yeah. times does that happen? Where you're like, the toilet, the, the toilet didn't work properly, right? And then yeah. and then you you try to fix it, nothing happens, and then eventually just fixes itself, and you don't right. think about it again. Or mm-hmm. a leprechaun comes out, <laughs> and it's the beginning of of you know a wacky '80s story. Yeah. Right. It could be either one. Right. But uh, OK. So so Keenan, you actually brought this up. This isn't in my notes, but I wanted mm-hmm. to I wanted to talk about this. Right. In so many of these stories, they always start out with one or two things mm-hmm. that are seemingly harmless. Right. right? And, and are seemingly um, what's the word? Banal. What, yeah. Like, like ordinary. Banal and benign right? even. Right. And benign, there we go. Happened, benign. Yeah. Right. That's what I was. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like you almost wonder if like. Okay, even if something supernatural is going on, can we pinpoint that that's where it started? Mm-hmm. Like, like you know who's missing in this very, very important um, collection of interviews? Mm. The devil. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, like if we asked him, he's like, hey, were you the one who made, like, the drippings and the scratchings? And he'd be like, what? no, like, I, I started with the, you know, with the, with the, with the pounding and the wailing, like, the dripping and the scratch. Like, right. they just got bad plumbing and rats. Yeah, they live in an old house. Like, don't, don't blame that on me. That's not me. I'll admi- I will admit to the other stuff. <laughs> right. But I, I don't, I don't do drippy pipes, okay? <laughs> or rat noises. Yeah. Right. I do like the drippy pipes. That's, that's a, um... That's a trope that I haven't seen in horror movies necessarily. Mm. And I like it. That, that is kind of creepy. And it yeah. is the kind of thing that I think we're all familiar with. Like, where the hell is that coming from? Like, who's yes. that, like what the hell? That, what the, I check everywhere and I can't find where it is. Yeah. That is one of those things that will also like kind of like mm, it's it's quiet enough, but it's constant and it's mm-hmm. present enough to where like when you're trying to sleep, it will drive <laughs> you insane. Right. Right. Now, then the next thing in my notes, uh, January 26th, Aunt Tilly is dead. Right. Right. Robbie is devastated. And almost immediately after that, the noises start back up again. Only now, they're coming from Robbie's room. And Robbie is the only one who can hear them. At wait, first, is, wait a second. <laughs> okay. At first. Okay, at go first, ahead. At first. <laughs> Like we solved this right away. Oh, you were gonna you, you were gonna play your skeptic card, huh? <laughs> no, 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 okay. At first, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. How convenient. Yes, it would be, it would be extremely convenient. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one. <laughs> and they're in his room now, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. Um. It was. It. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it before, but a lot of the stuff was happening in the grandmother's room. Mm-hmm. Um. And then. Uh, Aunt, Aunt Tilly dies, and now it's uh, and and now it's it's happening mainly in Robbie's room, and Robbie is the only one who can hear it. Pause at first, <laughs> right? So after three days, the family can hear it too, and they can now see and hear other things. They all seem to be emanating from Robbie's bed or from somewhere in the room. The sounds of squeaking shoes, of marching feet, the beating of a drum. Up and down the length of the bed, the sound of this invisible army. In some accounts, Robbie can feel the tiny feet marching up and down his back as he tries to sleep. 
Other nights, the bed would convulse as if trying to throw Robbie out of it. One night, the coverlet ripped itself from the bed and stood up on its own, looming up over Robbie as if something were under it. When the family touched it, it would fall back onto the bed. The scratchings became poundings. A picture of Christ in the grandmother's room began to jump and shake as if something behind it was striking the wall from inside. This went on until one night the mother calls out to the empty room, Aunt Tilly, is that you? No answer. If you are Aunt Tilly, knock three times. The reply was three distinct knocks. But Robbie's mother was not satisfied. She asked the presence to knock again four times. Almost immediately, the presence complied, giving her four more knocks. Now, during all of this, Robbie, of course, is devastated, not just by these happenings, but especially by the death of his aunt. Mm -hmm. By all accounts, he doesn't appear to have many or even any friends. He's an only child. In fact, it seems like his grandmother and his aunt Tilly are his two big influences. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, with the death of his aunt, it's here that the family notices a change in his behavior. Now, no one knows exactly how or when, but it's believed that around this time, Robbie starts using the Ouija board by himself in an effort possibly to speak to aunt Tilly. So, Keenan, so far, it sounds like we got the beginnings of a pretty good ghost story. What do you say? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, I see why this is spooky stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> obviously, I understand. Yes, there's, there's, no. some, there's some ghostly stuff happening. Yes, and but the, what the I was... has just mm. died, yeah. Exactly, exactly, yes, right? I, yes. what, what what I was trying to say, <laughs> as opposed to... See, you thought I was saying ghost story as opposed to nothing. <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like people in this house are really sad because they haven't died. And, yes. Yeah, yes. What, what, what I'm saying, what, what, I was, what I was trying to build to, um, <laughs> and what I'm going to press on with, <laughs> is... Hey, Keenan. Oh. It appears that we have the beginnings of a really good... Ghost as opposed to demon story. Aha. It does sound like we have a really good ghost as opposed to demon story, right? As if this family isn't really conscious of demons yet. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, there's not a lot of demonic stuff going on, right. but there's a lot of like poltergeisty, mm -hmm. like silly ghosts doing silly things right. stuff. It's and a possibly it's a haunting. Yeah, it's, it's a haunting, haunting rather go, than right? a uh, possession, right? Yes. yes. Right. Okay, so now, Keenan, this is something I actually wanted to talk about that we've never really touched upon um, whenever we inevitably talk about ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, it's another thing that I think separates ghosts from, like, the rest of our monsters, like vampires and werewolves and, you know, and all that stuff, mm -hmm. um, and also demons. Um, and that is the sadness mm -hmm. that comes with it sometimes. Like, you just touched upon it, right? It's like, this family is really, really sad, right? Mm -hmm. Like the grief and the loss, right? Like here we got Robbie missing his aunt so much that he wants to communicate with ghosts. Like, I think we asked this question on our show before, but like, what would you feel if you saw a ghost, right? I remember right. I said, that's like my number one fear is mm -hmm. ghosts. Like, like not because of like what they can do, but because of what they are and what it implies about like 
our world, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And but, other people are like afraid of becoming ghosts, right? And you're exactly. not necessarily as afraid of becoming a ghost, but yet to be in this place where you can observe the living world and not not quite cross over or communicate with that living world, um, you know, that's getting to some really deep things about what grief is and mm-hmm. uh, and if if our if our religious tradition our faith traditions or our religions teaches that like our our loved ones are now on the other side um like a ghost is this is this way of um uh, i'm not trying to say i, I believe that you know i want to be again respectful but like it's it's a great metaphor uh, for like what it is to lose someone to the other side to the afterlife right mm-hmm, that they're mm-hmm. still around but you cannot have them the same way that you used to. Oh, that is a really good way of putting it. I never, I never put it in those words, but that is, no, that is exactly it, right? It's like you are separated Mm -hmm. even when you're not, like you're standing and you're looking at them, right? And so, yeah, so like in that vein, and and maybe I never thought about about this because it's just too sad. (laughs) Um, But now I'm thinking like, what would I do if I saw the ghost of someone I loved? Mm -hmm. Like, would I still be scared right. or would I be relieved? Like, oh, good. You are still around. Like, mm-hmm. you persist. You exist. Like, this this is the confirmation. That's great, right. actually. Mm-hmm. Like, you see this all the time, right? Characters are crying over uh, another character whom they think is dead, mm-hmm. right? And then when that character shows up, their first reaction, and it's usually like this funny slapstick thing, mm-hmm. is to freak out because they think it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. But like... You were just crying. Shouldn't you be happy that ghosts are real, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like they start throwing stuff at this poor character, this perfectly alive character, <laughs> and hilarity ensues, and they get hit with frying pans and random household objects, and, mm-hmm. and finally, they're able to explain that, no, 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 I'm not a ghost, right? Mm-hmm. And the other characters are angry, like, don't <laughs> scare me like that. Like, you were just crying because you thought they were dead. Mm-hmm. And and like, they're, they're screaming and wailing, like, oh, no, have you come to haunt me? Please don't haunt me. It's like, no. Haunt me. <laughs> Please. We can still hang out. This is great. And I get closure. I can talk to you. I guess like, hey, it's really shitty that you died. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree, right? Like yeah, I can you, literally you don't have to buy you tickets to the movies. You could just come in <laughs> <laughs> and we can watch the same movies. <laughs> it doesn't even matter that I get passes. I just you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, like I can literally say to your face mm-hmm. if you were a ghost, hey, I miss you. Right. That is, that is, I think, the one thing that people would, would like, give up, I don't know, like, their soul for. Yeah. To, to be able to, to say to somebody whom they have lost, mm-hmm. hey, I miss you. Right. Like, that's such a simple but, like, powerful, all-encompassing thing that you can't say. Mm-hmm. But, like, if there's a ghost, you can say that. You can right. say, hey, like, I'm really sad that you are gone, but you can hear me saying that to you. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like, folks, like – how many people would give anything to be able to say a proper goodbye, right? We talked right. about that, like about, about Hollywood death versus real death, mm-hmm. right? How, how most of the time we're lucky if we get to, you know, uh, uh, say all that we wanted to say. I right. think this aspect of ghosts has sort of gone away and it's just, it's only scary stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Uh-huh. So, okay, back to our story. So, like we said, Robbie has started using the Ouija board again, right? Mm-hmm. Using it by himself. Trying to, we assume, trying to contact Aunt Tilly. Yeah, man, it's against the rules. That is right. Yeah, the, the instructions it, say you can't use it alone. Wait a minute, it is the instructions in the on um, the Parker brother Ouija board. Yes, absolutely says you cannot use it by yourself. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh no, we went over that. Yeah, because then it wouldn't. It doesn't work because you need. 
so they say oh you can't do this alone Ooh. but it's because oh, it doesn't work okay. when you're moving it yourself you would be able to feel yourself moving it okay so it's not that you can't do this alone <laughs> it's that hey you can't you can't it literally do this doesn't alone. work if you don't have other people's um, you know unconscious movements happening and moving it over yeah it takes two to tango <laughs> no really it really, it really does like, yes really you know, yeah <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> Both parties of a healthy relationship have to make sacrifices. <laughs> it takes two. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so Robbie's behavior begins to change, mm-hmm. right? During the day, he is equal parts anxious and withdrawn. Mm-hmm. The phenomena has also apparently followed him to school, where his desk also jerks and shakes. Um, in one account, Robbie actually describes it and says it's like the planchette on Aunt Tilly's Ouija board. Right. Mm. So it's at this point that they take him to the doctor, who can find absolutely nothing wrong with him. He suggests that Robbie is merely high strung, Mm -hmm. you know. A a disorder of the nerves! Oh, I get 88 doctors to look at Robbie and they all say the same thing, (laughs) he's not ill. Ah, yeah. Um, So, back home, things start moving in the house. Fruit flies off the table. I mean, like, not, not, not... So fruit is flying <laughs> off the table. Okay, I just realized that I said fruit flies. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There could be there could be fruit flies. There probably were. Yeah, there probably were. Right, <laughs> if there's fruit, right? Yeah. But yeah, so uh, like the the table moves, it mm-hmm. flips over, a vase or vase uh, flies across the room, mm-hmm. and Robbie is having nightmares. Mm-hmm. It gets so bad that Robbie cannot sleep. The family finally decides to reach out to their Lutheran minister, Reverend Luther Miles Schultz. Um, Now, by all accounts, Reverend Schultz, Lutheran minister Luther Miles Schultz is very convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, Reverend Schultz is a believer in parapsychology, Mm -hmm. right? Which would be familiar to us all by now, right? This includes um, hypnosis and telepathy and psychokinesis and also clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically basically anything that might seem supernatural but can be argued as like related to unusual, uh, inexplicable, as of now, brain activity, Right. right? So, and the best of yeah. it tries to measure that in, in scientific terms, although obviously it is, um, you know, not not frontline science. It's sort of fringe science. But the best parapsychologists try to, you know, actually make recordings and make uh, hypotheses and test them. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So so here we have another priest playing mm-hmm. the parapsychology card. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but before even playing that card, Schultz is a little skeptical. In his mind, this is a kid who is bored. He's traumatized. He's acting out, maybe for attention, maybe just just because he's bored. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, case closed. End of story. This is a pretty easy one for you, Keenan. <laughs> right, you know, like, okay, so there's there's a man and his wife and his friend, and they go out in a boat together, and the wife doesn't come back. <laughs> Seems pretty simple. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it appears you, you, you have a demon. <laughs> Your Honor, I don't know where she went. Oh, but I'll tell you, I saw her ghost walking on the water. <laughs> God. 
we're both going to hell. Um, <laughs> you for not believing in the devil uh-huh. and me for <laughs> – but actually, that works out for you. <laughs> Lucky. Yeah, great. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so so yeah, so yeah, we got him um, – he's being skeptical. Mm-hmm. Even without the – like even before it gets to the parapsychology level, he's right. thinking this is just – this is just a kid acting up, right? right? Mm-hmm. So he decides to have the kid stay over at his house and see what happens there. It's one of those things where it's like, well, you could probably get away with it at your place, right? right? You have you have terrorized the rest of your family. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work on me, kid. Right. So yeah. So yeah, he gets him over there. Um, he has a bed made up for him. Um and then that bed begins to shake, mm. but only when Robbie is in. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> but when the I read that sentence, it just seems so obvious. When Robbie he is in it, any time you put Robbie in a bed, it shakes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Okay. All right, spooky atmosphere. (laughs) Let's spook it up. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so, so yeah, so, so the bed's not working, right? right? So Schultz makes a mattress on the floor for Robbie to sleep on. Um, This is on the floor next to the bed. Mm -hmm. So then Robbie lays down, and then the mattress disappears under the bed like something has grabbed it and pulled it under, right? And from under the bed, Robbie's body is now slamming the underside of the bed as if something is grabbing him and flinging him up against the underside of the bed. Mm -hmm. Now, Parapsychologist Sergio Rueda was able to uncover some documents related to the Robbie Doe case whilst working at the Institute of Parapsychology. Uh, one of these was a correspondence between uh, Reverend Schultz and Dr. J.B. Rhine, and that reads, March 21st, 1949. Dear Dr. Rhine, we have in our congregation a family who are being disturbed by poltergeist phenomena. The phenomena is apparent only in the boy's presence. I had him in my home on the night of February 17th and 18th to observe for myself. Chairs moved with him and one threw him out. And so, yeah, that's another thing that happened. Apparently, chairs moved across the room and there was, I believe, a rocking chair which threw Robbie out onto the floor. Mm -hmm. In the accounts which mention this, Schultz swears that Robbie could not have done this himself. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this still sounds like a ghost story. What do you think, Keenan? No. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. You know okay. what I mean. So it's not a demon yet. It's a poltergeist, right? Right. Yes, right. we have so a poltergeist far, who's going, and, and he, he's able to, unlike other ghosts, where he's able to actually physically move things and have physical form in, in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk a little bit about poltergeist phenomena because mm-hmm. I, I think. What we're talking about has changed over the years, right? right? The, mm-hmm. the word poltergeist just means noisy ghost, right? Right, Like in German, right? In, uh, in ghost lore, which I did not know was a thing until today, Ooh. right? It is, it is, yeah. So a poltergeist is a categorization of a ghost that interacts with the physical world. Mm-hmm. So throwing things, opening and closing doors. Uh, so, so a ghost that moves stuff, like you said, right? King, right? So- all poltergeists are ghosts, mm-hmm. but not all ghosts are poltergeists. Right. Hashtag not all ghosts. <laughs> no. Um, which now has me wondering, Keenan, 
How do you become a poltergeist? It, like, is it because of something you did in life? Is it is it like a community service thing, like jury duty? Mm. Is it like a ghost job? Like maybe <laughs> maybe not maybe not a job, right? right? Because it doesn't seem to be very useful. Is it is it like, oh, is it ghost petty crime? <laughs> and now I'm wondering, Keenan. Are there ghost cops? Oh, there's got to be ghost cops. Otherwise, it's just lawless out there. Right? <laughs> you got to have some kind of uh, people moving legal cups system. across the table. Right. Well, I don't throwing know. kids out of chairs. <laughs> these these ghosts today is this LS ghosty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like um, I don't I don't know I don't know ghost lore very well because you just introduced me to the idea <laughs> a second ago. Um, I'm fascinated now. Yeah, but like in Dickens, right? You become mm-hmm. a poltergeist in the case of Jacob Marley by, by not living a proper life by being a bad mm-hmm. person. Is he a poltergeist? Yeah, he's a noisy ghost. Certainly, isn't he? He makes a lot of noise. He's got these chains attached to him that he. Well, yeah, but like the chains. Things. The chains are part of him, though. Like, is he moving uh-huh. anything in, in, in Scrooge's house? Well, yeah, he becomes a door knocker that Scrooge... Yeah, yeah I think well, so. He, becomes, he opens mm-hmm. and closes things, right? Uh, I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I put I, him in a different category. All right. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that he would he would be a poltergeist, right? Or something close to a poltergeist. All right. Because mm-hmm. he has, he has, as we say, like in our definition, he, he actually is able to impact the physical world as opposed to disappearing. Uh, <laughs> you know? All right, 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 right. Yeah, well, well, anyways, I think that that in general, as a poltergeist, or at least again, I don't know the ghost lore, right? You you mm-hmm. become a poltergeist because you have you know some sins or some badness in your in your real life. Interesting. So it's like a punishment. I th- I thought so, but to move stuff. I thought so, but I haven't thought about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, folks. No, no, no. I I like I just introduced this concept to Keenan. So yeah. Right. So I we're, we're workshopping it as we go here. A poltergeist is some bad news. Well, you know what happens, Keenan, when you assume things about ghosts, <laughs> you get haunted and or possessed. Oh no. Yeah. Right. Um. Okay. Wait, all right. Let's try this, Keenan. Mm-hmm. Scenario. Yeah. You die. Uh oh. There's there's more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you find out that ghosts are real because now you are. Now I am one, right? Right? Before you can move on, mm-hmm. you got to do service as a ghost. Oh, yeah. You, now, that you does sound options. like jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> now you have options. Uh-huh. You can be a poltergeist, you know, throw things around. Right. right? You can be a ghost who just appears sometimes mm-hmm. but doesn't interact with people, right? Right. You can be in the communication department, mm-hmm. so like a ghost telemarketer, like on the Ouija board. Oh, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We've been trying to reach you about your soul's extended warranty, <laughs> right? Um I thought I was going to get a better, bigger laugh than that, but whatever. <laughs> That's very good. Um, <laughs> th- thank you. <laughs> I think it is. Or you could be writing messages on mirrors, mm-hmm. right? You know, so that could be another like, whoa, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also be a dream ghost that appears to people in dreams, mm-hmm. right? Or you can go full on Marley and appear to someone and warn them <laughs> and tell them to change their ways, right? Yeah. And, and lastly... You can be the official ghost of a holiday, like past, <laughs> like past present, or future, uh-huh. right? Although I feel like you would have to like work your way up to that one. I don't oh, think yeah. you get to choose. Like that one's like a promotional thing, right? Yeah, that sounds really good, though. Yeah. So, but like, what do you? Okay. Well, that'll that'll be the second thing. So, so what's your first thing? Uh, so, take away the holiday oh. thing. You you can't have that. <laughs> oh darn it! Uh, but we assume you. We assume that you were such a good. Whatever it is you choose first that they make you the, the ghost of Yeah, I like the telemarketer on the Ouija board or some kind of yeah, communicator. Um, yeah, okay. I like that. I like, I like doing some some uh, some spin from the other world. Nice. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, I like that. 
Are you trying to sell anything? Are you trying to like just make people aware? Well, you have to answer their answer their their um their pleas, right? Oh, okay, so yeah. you don't call them. The oh, yeah, no, right, right. right. They, yeah. they write in and they're like, "Does does you know does Stevie like me?" And you're like, mm-hmm. "No." And <laughs> <laughs> <Hen>, oh, <laughs> and you don't know Stevie. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. You don't have a file somewhere or anything. You're just yeah. like, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, today Stevie likes you. Yeah, right. In your in your little ghost cubicle, it has that like chart of it's like, does Stevie like me? And then it's it's that tree of like, is Stevie alive? Is Stevie dead? Right. And then there's yes and no. And then da, 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 and it goes all the way down. Right. But because it's the ghost division, in the ghost cubicle, all the answers are just it's no. always no. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if I could be a holiday ghost, if I'm a really good uh, Ouija board ghost. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, like Valentine's Day pass. That would be real badass. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm going to show you. <laughs> possibly possibly the most beautiful and sentimental or the most painful. Right. It's it's only the experience you can possibly have. You're right, exactly. Wow. <laughs> you know there's some, there's some theories that uh, say that the ghost of Christmas past for Scrooge is actually the worst. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because he shows he shows Scrooge things that Scrooge cannot change. Mm-hmm. It's too late to change them. Right. So why is he showing them? Yeah. Right. And he already knows all of them. And he already knows, like, he's he's right. been living with them. Right. Yes, I know, <laughs> Bell left me. Right, matters little to you, very yeah. little. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so there you go, yeah. Yeah, so the the real villain <laughs> of A Christmas Carol is the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> not And not capitalism somehow. Not capital, no, no. <laughs> you can change capitalism. <laughs> all of you can. Um <laughs> Okay. Yeah, what about so, you? Oh, for me? Oh, I didn't even, geez, I didn't even write in anything mm-hmm, for me. Right. Um, oh, well, okay. Um, knowing me, mm-hmm. I think I would pick Poltergeist mm-hmm. uh, so that I can interact with things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would find a rich family mm-hmm. because everyone rich deserves to be haunted anyway. <laughs> um, I don't even care who they are. They're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so rich folks, watch out. Um <laughs> I would scare them into giving me an iPhone and a laptop, mm-hmm. or I would isolate the scares to the big screen TV room. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the time, I would do the bare minimum. <laughs> I would throw a dish. Mm-hmm. I would write something on the bathroom mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> and I'd be set, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe I can scare an Xbox out of them, mm-hmm. right? But like that's the thing; it has to be poltergeist so that I can so I can click the buttons, right? right? Absolutely. So that I can I can work my iPhone and I can do all that stuff, right? <laughs> um, and and actually, I I didn't think of this. I want to make sure I die in a place where the ghost lore is that ghosts can eat things. <laughs> so they put out little oranges for you. <laughs> orange? Fuck oranges! <laughs> We're getting takeout every night. Oh, great. Yes, right. You know, you know, in like in in some festivals, right? Mm-hmm. In in some parts of the world, like they leave food yeah. on on the gravestones mm-hmm. and stuff. I need that. That's what I need. So I'm gonna move to to that place, right? And I'll be like, not not just on the holidays. I need it every day, right? Right. Three three square a day, right? Um, Xbox, laptop, iPhone, and then never come in this room again because it's haunted, <laughs> right? It's, it's, so it's like for watching TV and playing games and stuff. Yes. So you have so like uh, bugles on your little ghost fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. I think the worst ghost job would be where you're just stuck 
in one spot mm-hmm. and you do the same thing over and over, right? Like that seems to be the most common one. Uh-huh, People see right. see like the ghost of the brown lady of Raynham Hall, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, that's a real ghost, guys. Mm-hmm. A, a, a real, real ghost. ghost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like a, a famous ghost in, in the UK, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't want to be like that where I just, I just got to walk up and down the grand staircase every night at 3.45 a.m. <laughs> or whatever, right? That sounds horrible. Right. Right. We have um, a schedule. <laughs> Yeah, no. Immediately give me a schedule and I will somehow be late or too early. <laughs> everybody, every all the ghost hunters come and it's like, oh, right. it's supposed to be here at 345 a.m. It's like, sorry, <laughs> I already did it. I took care of it. It's done. Oh, yeah, but our ghost in, uh, in the Roland Doe story has a schedule of some kind. Sometimes. Depending. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Except when he doesn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah. Speaking of which, thank you, thank you for bringing us back, Keenan. Um, yeah, let's get let's get back to uh, to our, our boy Robbie mm-hmm. and uh, this letter from Reverend Schultz. Um, you'll remember this is the letter to Doctor J. B. Ryan, mm-hmm. right? He says, "I had their physician place the boy in the hands of the county mental hygiene clinic under Doctor Mabel Ross at the University of Maryland. She and her staff had two interviews with the boy. He was to have gone for a third, but meantime, words had appeared on the boy's body, according to family and friends." Mm-hmm. So that's a new development. This is new, uh huh. And this, we see that in our book, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Now, I don't know. That seems like a pretty good reason to go back to that third interview, <laughs> right? Right, because it's like, oh, he was going to come back, but then he started having spooky words pop yes. up on his body, so we didn't, we didn't check on him again. He was going to go back to get fixed, mm-hmm. but then he got worse. <laughs> But yeah, okay, so now there's some speculation as to why they didn't, Mm -hmm. though. Uh, Some people think that it's because right around this time, a slew of newspaper articles came out exposing the horrible conditions in mental hospitals. Um, And I've seen some of these articles. They they compared these uh, modern, quote-unquote, modern facilities to the asylums of, you know, back in the day, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But they also call them, like, flop houses Mm -hmm. and even snake pits, right? There's a famous uh, autobiographical sort of novel um, that is called The Snake Pit. That's a Mary Jane yeah. Ward. That's about her time um, in in a yeah mental institution, and then she, she got better and was able to turn it into a you know nonfiction novel, essentially. Right, and lived to tell the tale. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. but it, it's about yeah women being being thrown in there and uh, without really regard for like you know different levels of mental um, disability, right? And yeah, yeah, and just being thrown in there, and you're oh if you're labeled crazy, then you're with all the other crazies, and and it's sort of like the, a holding pen for you know like cattle. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. terrible. People people uh, wrapped up in straitjackets, mm-hmm. right? Tied to mm-hmm. chairs, right? One documentary I saw said that most patients were just like neglected. Right. So, you, so you just tie them up somewhere and you just leave them, right? right? Mm-hmm. You don't feed them. You don't let them go to the bathroom. It's like, it's gross. It's like barbaric medical treatments, right? And worst of all, it seems that very few patients were ever actually released. Yeah, and one of so the- So there's not even like a- Yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. one of the um, undercurrents of the um, Mary Jane Ward novel, The Snake Pit, is that like she would have more rights if she were a prisoner. That if she were a prisoner, she would she would be able to get like, um, you know, tr- a trial, I mean, or, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to appeal. And there is no appeal just for being crazy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you got that going on. and But then in addition to that, there is also this huge stigma surrounding mental illness in the 1940s, mm-hmm. right? Even, even the late 1940s, right? It is the type of thing in a family that you would cover up. Right. Which is hard to imagine mental health being so 
mysterious and forbidden, like as a subject to talk about or explore, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know, like, we still don't have a handle on it even today, right. right? We've only just scratched the surface, but I can't remember a time when mental health wasn't something that was, I don't know, uh, championed as this new direction that we should be taking mm-hmm. the medical world in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is w- weird because, like, I know, like, like I know as I was growing up, like we were still trying to figure out how to talk about stuff. Like like people were coming on talk shows mm-hmm. about their struggles and audiences were like shocked that they were like – and they were they were clutching their pearls, right, about something as normal as OCD mm-hmm. or, or ADHD, right? And I remember that time because I was starting to see signs of having maybe one or more of these things. And the way the media shone a spotlight on it was like, oh, I am different. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But also like, oh – Maybe not so different because look at Mark Summers, look at Howie Mandel, right? And now I work at a school designed specifically to accommodate for what we now call learning differences. And to think there are people who are still alive that can remember a time when the world of mental health was vastly different. Mm Right, like that is that is amazing. To yeah. Me. Mm-hmm. So Reverend Schultz is stumped. Right, he does not know what's going on. And in what is probably my favorite part of the story, he goes back to the parents and he basically says, "We're gonna need to call in the Catholics." Yeah, that's my favorite part of it too. Like so, even yeah. <laughs> then, like so, even before Blatty writes his book, and even before there are these famous newspaper articles about this little boy who is possessed. Right, even then, there was still a thought that this is a job for the Catholics. I love that. Like <laughs> the the Catholic. Are, are like even by now like getting dumped on for like this kind of thing mm-hmm. right but then it's like yeah actually maybe they know what they're talking about right. it's like okay let's bring up their catholic priest <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so yeah so so reverend schultz is like send them to the catholics right <laughs> yeah um now there's this weird thing about that though keenan mm-hmm. by all accounts reverend schultz is still skeptical and when he suggests that the family go see a catholic priest he says nothing about exorcism or possession. Mm -hmm. By all accounts, he just says, the Catholics might be able to help you. Almost as if he wanted to do right by the family, but also preserve like his own uh, skepticism at the time. Mm. So what are you thinking? Like he, why would he send them? Like, like, like what uh, Chris wants to do in the book and, and, um, you know, here's a priest and it's going to scare you out of this psychosomatic thing or? I don't know. I, I can't get into, um, uh, the good Reverend Schultz's Mm -hmm. head. Um, I like, you know, from a narrative perspective, Mm -hmm. I, I like, I, I like to imagine that like, you know, he has, he has touched upon something, uh, you know, beyond his can and he's, he's, he's passing the buck, right? Right. He's like, ah, I can't deal with this. You go and, you know, talk to the Catholics. They might not, they, you know, talk to the Catholics. They might be able to help you. (laughs) Oh, help us with what? Oh, no, 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 no. I dare not speak it. Right. Like that's, that's kind of like what I want it to be in my head. Right. (laughs) With, you mean father to help us with. The exorcist. <laughs> not in these hallowed holes. Right. Yeah, not when my boss could hear you, <laughs> yeah. lady. You're not going to get me on the record telling you you needed an Yeesh. exorcist for your your, your right. kid. Absolutely. What do not. I what do I look like? The doctor of a foundation. <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, the family visits um, a nearby Catholic church by the name of Saint James. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be Saint Jacob, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the in in Mount Rainier, Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, which which some accounts say that's where Robbie's family lived, right. but again, we already said that's not true. Turns out they lived in Cottage City. Um, so they're going out of town for this. Which at first I thought it's like, oh my god, they're driving all the way. 
It's three minutes. <laughs> well, in today's, you know, you, you, with inflation, that must be five, this, this, <laughs> six it minutes away. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, these cars and these roads, they're, they're not what they used to be. And traffic. <laughs> and so, yeah, so here is where we get our second priest and our first Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. This is Father E. Albert Hughes. Right. Now, Father Hughes kept his silence for many, many years. Priests can be pretty tight-lipped. Well, that depends. Depends on what? On the priest. Ah, oh, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, we only know about this because Hughes eventually broke his silence and confided in one of his associates, uh, Father Frank Bober. So this is Father Bober retelling the story. Mm-hmm. He says that at the time, Father Hughes was a rather young priest. He was freshly ordained, you might say, mm-hmm. right? Just a, just a few years ordained, right? right? He still had that uh, new priest smell. Um <laughs> Which, what is that? Is incense and... Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. And, and yeah, that fresh collar, it's got all that starch on it. <laughs> yeah, in- starch and incense. There you go, right? And so, so Robbie and mom and dad go to see him. Uh, they go into his office and immediately it seems that Robbie doesn't want to be there, right? right? Father, Father Hughes can feel something, right? Now, during the interview, Robbie is staring at the phone which at one point slides across the desk on its own, mm-hmm. right? The temperature in the room also suddenly drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone which has a cord on it? Keenan, you just, you just <laughs> want to ruin everything, don't you? A cord that usually, like, is, is like, goes onto the floor <laughs> near the feet. <laughs> And next you're going to be telling me he messed with the thermostat before coming in. Or it's just auto-suggestion. He just starts rubbing his arm. I'm very cold. Are you cold? It's really cold. (laughs) Brr. Um. But okay, that that has always fascinated Uh me. Whenever whenever the devil is associated with cold, uh because it seems so like antithetical to what we associate with him today, mm-hmm. right? But I guess I guess they were doing it since like Dante's time, right? Like before or even before, right? Remember folks, Dante has his Satan stuck in the center of hell in a frozen lake. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know, may- maybe just modern sensibilities, right? You don't think cold or maybe you do, right? Like Blatty writes the book yeah. based on the event, right? So, yeah, so cold, extreme cold, right, with the devil, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. Um, so yeah, so after this meeting, Father Hughes has some suspicions, right? You could say that he's sus. Well, no, no, um, I used that wrong. Uh, Robbie is sus, right? Father Hughes is sus of Robbie? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. Exactly right. Robbie is Don't sus. make fun of me, kids. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Father Hughes consults the Roman ritual, something you folks may have heard about already. Um, but just a little little intro here. So the Roman ritual is basically all of the sacraments, all of the liturgies, all of the services, all the rites that a priest can perform. So we got baptism, communion, marriage, exorcism, last rites, all that stuff, right? It's actually three books now, but back at this time, it would have been one big book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but but since they've they've like apparently divided it up, um, I think the rite of exorcism is in volume two, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, so if you're looking for, you know, that book, <laughs> just make sure you get volume two, right? <laughs> Out, demon, dearly beloved, we are gathered. Oh, no. 
But yeah, uh, so so he consults the Roman ritual and pretty quickly concludes that Robbie is under demonic influence, uh-huh. according to the signs put down. <laughs> what? Just your, just your, uh huh. No, you... I was try, I was trying to go with you this time. <laughs> sure, you are, Keenan. No, I think this makes sense. He looks it up, okay. and then he, he, no, he looks it up, and he, he says, "Okay, this is this and this." So we come to this conclusion. I understand this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Our cameras are off, folks. But like, I could just, I could just hear the smirk. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, to be clear about this, I want to be very yes. respectful mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. these these priests thought they were doing the right thing. Yes, and, and I, I totally believe that. I, I totally okay. believe that they thought they were doing the right thing here. There we go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So um. Let's see. Uh, yeah, and, and also, folks, if you want us to do a thing on the Roman ritual and the rite of exorcism, let us know mm-hmm. because that sounds really interesting. In yeah. fact, I might I might just make an executive decision. At, and at some point, like in preparation for like our final act, like, hey, maybe let's all like get schooled on on, you know, what's going to what's going to go down. Yeah, I right? love that. Yeah. Um, so. According to Father Bober, um, who is recounting the story, Father Hughes wasn't necessarily interested in doing the exorcism himself, but the archbishop was basically like, you do it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this sort of fell on him. However, there is a different account of this. And this is where we get like mm, different different people saying different things, Right. right? There is an account where Father Hughes goes to the archbishop and the archbishop says no and Father Hughes goes against the Archbishop and does the exorcism anyway himself. I have trouble with that one. I, I, I don't. That doesn't sound right to me. That one is. That one's a little bit. See, like I was like, oh, should we should we save all of our like you know um, opinions for like a final episode? <laughs> but I think I think we can't not address them as they come yeah. up because if, like if you know about like like if you've been following our show right. and you've been following along in the book, you know that it, that that is a big no no. Mm-hmm. Right? A Catholic priest cannot do an exorcism without church approval. Right. Right? And there is evidence um, uh, uh, a little bit later that, like, he goes on and he continues to minister. But then Hughes would have had to tell Bober that we were doing this without the archbishop in order for that story to get out, right? Because Bober is the one who's doing the reporting, and uh, that's not in Bober's diary that, you know— his, yeah. his written account of it. And then so so then it's two rogue priests doing this. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make quite sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So 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 there we go, folks. That's that's our first kind of like major mm-hmm. um, uh, breakage in the, you know, uh, what is it like fork in the road. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Um, and, and, and if you if you want to write in and tell us what you think or, or like if, if you know a little bit more about which one is which, then then please do. Uh, right. The exorcist minute at gmail dot com. Um, and yeah. So. Remember, folks, also, Father Hughes is relatively young at the time, right? Like, just recently ordained, right? Mm -hmm. The rules for exorcism call for an older priest, right? Mature in years to say nothing of their exceptional piety and spiritual readiness, Mm -hmm. right? Not only that, but leading to the exorcism, you have to do a bunch of things. You got to fast, you got to mentally and spiritually prepare. And, folks, just a little spoiler here you might notice the part one in this title. Mm Father Hughes was not prepared for what happens next. What happens next? That is in our next installment as we continue this deep dive into the exorcism of Robbie Doe. 
For now, that is all of my notes. Keenan, how about you? Yeah, I think we got it. All right. Folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz. You can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. Yeah, we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join, and we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media, and a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate that, and it's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. And yeah, folks, I want to say thank you again for sticking with us, even though we're not talking about the movie at this time. Uh, We promise we're not going anywhere. We will start up our normal movie episodes after we have won this strike. Mm -hmm. Um, We have episodes in the can, but we are standing in solidarity with SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. And folks, we promise to keep you posted and let you know how you can help with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. The best, most comprehensive place for that is, and the most trustworthy news source for that is sagafter.org. They have news, they have FAQs about what you can and can't do during the strike, as well as uh, what you can do to help. They also have resources, picket schedules, a social media toolkit, right? I'll post a link in our listener group. So uh, if you can get out there and march, please do. If not, spread the word and let us all pray for a swift and decisive victory. All right. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the the power power of strike strike compels you. The phenomena is apparent only in the boy's presence. Damn it! <laughs> what? Every time I read that. <laughs> well, yeah. Every I'm like, time well, you. Duh. Every time you say it out loud. <laughs> I'm trying to be spooky. All right.